So you think you can manage. I think all it took was for all of us here on this show and all of you in the audience to sit there and say, yeah, we think we can manage before Joe Girardi said, I need to sack up before these nobodies come in here and take my damn job. Not prepared to say this entirely Girardi right now. Philadelphia Phillies are benefiting from a fairly easy start to the second half schedule and some really timely wins from some pretty bad baseball clubs. Thank you, Pirates. But here we are, just first se- or first series now out of the All-Star break, and our Phillies sit just two games out of first place in the NL East Biscuit. You've called attention to my baby face right now, and I'm pretty <laughs> upset with you for it. I'm sorry. But I'm gonna it's okay, man. We're gonna get through this one together. It's all right. I'm going to shift this over to you. Huge three out of four wins against the Marlins, who we never, ever seem to be able to, like, we can figure out. And uh, early on, you had a little bit of a, or at least early on today, by the way, we're recording this on Sunday right after, uh, right after that, well, two wins in one day. Um, but uh, that not a, not a great start for Wheeler, for second half Wheeler here. And you were out on the potentially two games over 500 Phillies already. How much back to earth are you after after a three out of four win? Well, you know what? They passed the first test, and that test was stop getting you know train wrecked by teams that are ten games or more over on excuse me under five hundred. So this is a team that the Phillies should have been beating up on for the last uh, I don't know two three seasons. And I forget who tweeted it out this morning, but I think this is the first time since 2019 that the Phillies actually won a series against the Miami Marlins. So it's huge. You know, they got to beat this team. This team is not good. It's been a pathetic ride facing them because they always seem to have the upper end. So hopefully that ended with this series. And um, it's big. You need to beat up on the teams that are bad if you want to make it. And the Phillies did that. Thankfully, the Pirates did their job as well, taking a couple games from the Mets and uh, allowing the Phillies to make up some ground. So it's so it's huge. This is the team. These are the types of teams they need to beat. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that um, when you take a look at, at the second half schedule, it's been well documented at this point that the strength uh, of our schedule in the first half was arguably the toughest in the game. And we're now arguably least uh, least toughest now here for the second half. And Philadelphia sports in general, this extends beyond the Philadelphia Phillies, but Philadelphia sports just do not beat the teams that we should beat. And we somehow just, you know, passed our way into some wins against some teams that we have no business beating. Um, this is going to have to, uh, the way that we play against, you know, sub 500 clubs and and non-playoff clubs is truly going to define what the season ultimately can be. You know, can we sneak into the playoffs and end this brutal drought that a major market city should never have to endure? This is cruel and unusual punishment. We are all sitting here in this purgatory state of just ridiculousness that it has to end. And this right now is setting up in a way not so dissimilar from our 76ers just a few weeks ago, a clear path to the finals. And they went and fucked that up. They died so the Philadelphia Phillies can live. That's what I'm going to say here. That's how we're going to shift this over because we all need this, right? We need something to carry us into Eagles season. Uh, And I don't want to get too excited about the Eagles too early. I want to be all in on September baseball right now. And With the second half schedule uh, opening up the way that we did, taking three out of four here against a team that has flat out owned us for the better part of the last seven, eight years. Um, It's huge. It's absolutely huge. Uh, And then when you take a look just across the road over there uh, for the division leading New York Mets to lose their division to a softball team. I mean, 
that's that's not a baseball team over there. That's unbelievable to me. And Edwin Diaz, man, holy crap. Never in a million years that would I have thought like, man, thank God we ended up with the Mariners Gene Segura instead <laughs> of Edwin freaking Diaz. <laughs> and here we are still three years later without a goddamn bullpen. Uh, and you would think, you know, three years ago, boy, Diaz would look great in Philly's pinstripes. Not so much, man. Holy crap. That guy looks like a Phillies reliever. Um, so thank you, Edwin Diaz, holding her hand up in the air like it's a routine pop-up to third that went out for a walk-off grand slam. Never in my life have I seen something so stupid. I'm so glad that it happened to a New York. Thank you. Thank yes. you so much. Thank you. Um, but let's uh, let's take a little uh, – so we're, we're going to be talking a lot about the fact that the, the mirroring paths at this point of the Mets versus the Phillies is – we're, we're going to be completely intertwined as the rest of the season goes on. One of the biggest, one of the biggest news stories right now in New York is not the fact that they just dropped a series to the pirates. As we all know, decent baseball teams, sometimes they just have thorns in the side. Um, asked the New York Yankees that who will be coming in next week. Um, so I'm not, I don't want to put too much stock in the fact that a softball team beat the Mets. But what I do want to put some stock into is the fact that they're arguably the two most important pieces uh, of their postseason puzzle have both landed on the IL. Uh, Jacob deGrom, which Biscuit, you, you didn't wish this on the man, but there was a little bit of premonition there on your side. Look at you just evil eyes and sitting there grabbing the globe. But You know, so, some people tell me I don't know ball. <laughs> I, I think I know a little baseball. <laughs> and, and sometimes I, I feel like I don't get the credit I deserve. And I look, look. You hate to see it. Like I, okay. I don't wish, I, I don't wish any, you know, Lindor or Degrom. I don't wish anyone on the IL. You hate to see it, but I also know there's a track record, especially with Degrom. He's been, you know, not healthy in the past, so it, it's certainly plausible. And with how the guy's been throwing so hard this season, um, given last season the shortened season, uh, you've you've seen a spike in pitchers' injuries all season. So it, it's not anything groundbreaking it still sucks to see um but i might have called that one <laughs> might have called that one jesus well degrom uh, again for a guy who does have such a smooth uh, delivery there's not a whole hell of a lot of violence or whip to to what he does it, it's uh it's truly amazing to watch him yeah. pitch um that being said exactly as, as you mentioned you know degrom has been dealing with you know, some, you know, a little bit of nagging arm stuff and, and side stuff and back stuff uh, all year. And anytime, and you're going to exercise every bit of precaution for a guy like that. Um, you know, especially when at the time, you know, you're having a fairly comfortable lead. Your biggest, what you believe the biggest threat in the division to be would be the Atlanta Braves who lose their MVP caliber superstar in Ronald Acuna Jr. And you say, you know what, we can afford to be extra cautious here. Um, and it appears that's, uh, you know, what, what their mindset was, uh, Lindor, uh, again, Lindor was asked. So I don't know if you had seen what had actually happened with him, but a reporter had asked him, you know, are, are you going to be done for, for the season here? And he was pretty adamant that, that, you know, he, he's absolutely not, um, right now they're saying it's, it's an oblique and it's, you know, a four to six week injury. Anyone who's had any type of like oblique area, uh, like discomfort, like it, it nags, like it does take a bit. You got, I mean, it's literally like three weeks of resting and doing nothing before you can kind of ramp up some, some core stretching. 
that uh, that kind of helps you out there, some core strength stuff. Um, but how, if this series, if this season continues to run with with the the Philadelphia Phillies and the New York Mets kind of joggling that one two spot, which would be phenomenal if this is the conversation going in deep into August and into September. Do you envision a, a, a Lindor or a Degrom come back out of this out of a fear perspective to say we need to get into the postseason, or would you assume the Mets would exercise, you know, caution and do things the right way medically for the first time in their franchise's history? I think they'll exercise caution. One because, you know, I I think I'd be very shocked if the Phillies actually went ahead and like started running away with this thing. And the same with the Mets. I'd be shocked if they really started, you know, hitting the ground running and really took off, started gaining momentum. So I think it's going to be back and forth. So I think they know that having them available for late September for the late playoff push is going to be more important up front. Also, I'm sure they're going to get a star for the middle of that order. I don't know if it's going to be Baez or I think it's going to be Chris Bryant. Um, but I, I think they'll get another bat in there. Uh, so I think they'll, they'll stay uh, closer on the side of caution. So that's another good point. You know, as we take a look at, at the deadline and, and again, we're going to keep this with both Mets and Phillies at this point. Um, if you are the New York Mets and you're sitting there and you're again, you're, you're ace of the staff and, and you're should be superstar of your lineup. And Francisco Lindor is the incentive to sit there still and buy, 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 um, especially if what that means for the Philadelphia Phillies. And, and if we can continue to to win series and, and rack, I mean, right now we're, we're one of the two, three hottest teams in baseball up there with, you know, like the Rays, you know, winning, I think, eight, eight of their last 10 games or eight of their last 11 games. Um A lot's going to depend on what each of these franchises do. Now, assume that both of these teams just kind of continue to win baseball games let's start let's go with the Mets first here you you believe that that their target and their guy and it's been well reported at this point would be a Chris Bryant correct yeah okay so if both teams are continuing to win that to me feels like a no-brainer go out there you go and you, and you acquire Chris Bryant and you you get that superstar middle of the line at impact bat a versatile player who can play both infield and outfield um, and that's a huge, huge lift. I'll take it the other way. Say the Phillies keep winning baseball games and the Mets just keep dropping series and they start to really sputter and play typical New York Mets baseball. Does that change your mind as the deadline approaches? And do you say maybe let's not pull this target? Or do you believe in the core that you're building enough here that says even if it ain't for this year, it's for years to come and you still pull the trigger on a guy like Chris Bryant or Javi Baez? I think the narrative changes if the Mets fall out of it. But right now, I just don't see that being the case. You know, they came back today. Obviously, they're not playing the best team in the Pirates. But look, they got a very talented rotation with Taiwan Walker, Stroman, and of course, Jacob deGrom. Um, I do think they have the bats in the bullpen to get by as well. Um, so, if of course, if they, you know, drop a handful, you know, seven of their next 10 or something like that, anything, you know, anything changes at that point. But um not right now, no. I, I think it's still going to be close. Um, there's just, you know, there's so much baseball left, and seeing how both of these teams have played so far through the season, I just, it, it's a coin flip right now. Um, but I, I'd expect the Mets to be buyers unless they are definitively out of it. 
So I think the Mets, when you take a look on paper and what this team is not again, not just for, for this current season, but going forward, there is, there is substantially more talent and more win, you know, win now pieces into that core, both in the rotation and, you know, in, in terms of the offense that it does make sense for that team to say, you know what, we, we can afford even with a, a, you know, losing seven of 10 to go ahead and, and make an impact, you know, splash kind of a move. I don't know that the same thing could be said for the Philadelphia Phillies right now, that there are still, in my opinion, more questions than answers as to what the identity of this team is. Um, you know, I, I think overall, like philosophically, as this team was built and constructed several years ago, it's finally kind of playing out. Like we are going to have to out slug teams. Um, but the reality of it is it, there's so much streakiness to each individual here throughout our offense that I, I don't know that that's something you can bank on, not just for the season, but for any type of, of actual window of time. So to me, it, it feels like if we're going to sit there and, and move any of our very limited prospect depth to get an, an impact piece, it's going to have to come as a result of not only us winning a ton of baseball games and taking a bunch of series, but it's also going to have to look as a result of what the Mets are doing, what Atlanta is doing, um, you know, and, and then what any of the teams on, on a wild card bubble may be doing um, in order to sit there and say, we, we can justify moving the limited pieces to our future to go ahead and, and get a, a, a piece that maybe it's just for this year. Maybe, maybe it's a piece that we're going to have to resign in another year. And what, what will our cap look like? If not cap, but what will our money look like at that point? What do you kind of envision, you know, that, that Dombrowski and the Phils will do as this deadline nears, if they continue to keep winning series and winning baseball games? I think, I think there's three possible outcomes and it depends on three very possible scenarios. Scenario A, the Phillies really go on a tear the next week or so and actually gain some substantial ground in the division and maybe take over first place. And maybe they're up three or four games over the Mets. If that's the case, I think Dombrowski might pull the trigger on something a little bit more lucrative, maybe going after a guy like Chris Bryant or Brian Buxton of the uh, Minnesota Twins. Um, but like I said, I think that's going to be the case if they're at a place where it seems like they have a real shot at winning the division. Like now's the window. Go, go, go. Um, the more likely scenario, I think, and I think this is the most realistic thing to happen Um they're still in that spot where they're about three games over 500, maybe tied with the Mets, a game above the Mets, a game back of the Mets. I don't know. But then they're going to do a little bit, you know, around the margins, get some bullpen arms, which I think they should do anyway, regardless. Uh, maybe get a, you know, starter, whether that's Cole Hamill, someone on the trade block. I don't know. Um, but I think that's where the direction we're heading. I think that's what's most likely going to happen. Or if they bottom out over the next couple games. I um, don't know if they'll sell, but I think they would just in that situation stand pat. I don't know that the, so that's what I disagree with that. I, I, and there's, you know, there's some stuff to unpack there. So I want to go back to some of those points, but I, to me, I don't think this is a, like, I think of the three potential outcomes of a deadline, you're buying, you're selling, you're standing pat. I think standing pat is probably like the least likely of those outcomes. I think that's only a situation, sorry to cut you off, but I only think that's something, you know, a situation if they're 
clearly falling out of it if they go back under 500, are now four or five, six games back of the division. I think at that point, the narrative, like we said about the Mets at that regard, if they struggle, similarly to the Phillies, if that happens, I can see them pulling back, not making any real splashy move, just kind of going what they have and hoping for the best in that situation. But yeah, to me, if if they're sputtering, you know, and, and, and they're not looking right, like this is a team now, this is a core that, that's had a little bit of time to, to work together. And if it's proving that this is not it, like this is the, the type of deadline where I could potentially see a Hoskins move. You know, you, you could see a, a a piece to that core kind of shaken up. Gene Segura has, has some trade value right now, um, you know, with, with what he's been able to do with the plate. Um, you know, so like that, I could see like a shakeup in that regard. And, and it's not sexy by, by any means, but at a certain point it's, do we continue on this path to mediocrity or, or do we make some sort of, of change to the core and, and identity and start planning for what the next kind of fold of the future looks like? Um, but you mentioned earlier, and it's something I do want to go back to here in turn, you know, that there was, I don't know that many people would have thought that this would have been something that would have been going on, but Byron Buxton, you know, being made available uh, out of Minnesota. And then the Chris Bryant thing, Chris Bryant going out there and saying that center field's his favorite position to play, um, which is phenomenal to hear because I don't ever need to see Odubel Herrera play baseball again, at least not in Philadelphia. Um, and anytime you can get a bona fide impact bat and, find a place and it just happened to work with a specific need. That's super awesome. Um, but of the two, they each come, you know, with their share uh, of, you know, concern of those two, which is the guy for you that makes the most sense for this roster, maybe not just for this potential season, but as a piece of that core going forward and a part of the new identity and that next fold of the future that hopefully brings a championship or more to the city of Philadelphia? I think if it's either of the two guys, I think it would be Brian Buxton, just because having an elite center fielder would be huge. Obviously, this team is not good defensively, so having a guy of that caliber in the outfield would be um, very beneficial to this team, but his ability at the plate as well to be a you know top-tier hitter I think is also attractive. Obviously, the issue with that is he hasn't stayed too healthy, which is, I think, a, a concern. And I also think he could be the likely move, though, too, because I think he will cost a little bit less. Um, I think Brian's the Brian's the most attractive uh, hitter um, really on the block, I, I would want to say, at the deadline so far. And uh, I just I, I think what you would have to give up for him would be too great. And I also think, you know, Buxton, if you go after a guy like Brian Buxton, that's going to cost a little bit as well. What that package would look like. Um I, I don't know, and I don't know if now's the time to really to really be uh, shelling out prospects like that. But um, you know, it's one of those things where I think if you have to choose which guy is going to be beneficial long term, having a guy like that in center field would be uh, would be huge. Yeah, I agree. I, I do agree, and I think that you're you're spot on there with the likeliest of outcomes. Um, you know, and offensively, you know, outside of the and you've mentioned this last week, you know, just getting some more bench depth in there, some, some quality bench depth uh, is it feels like a move that every team that's gearing up for a postseason run makes. Uh, and that's something that's big. Um, and then outside of that, offensively speaking, the, the bat in center field and, and the, the defense in center field is, is the big hole. Um, but let's shift over to, to the pitching. We're going to start with starting pitching real quick because it's 
you know, what you mentioned with Cole Hamels and people liking the Cole Hamels uh, experience here to what Pedro was for us in 2009. Um, you know, a guy who doesn't have the same stuff as he had when, when he was obviously at his most elite, um, but would argue he would be the guy in the rotation who has been there. Um, and that type of postseason, you know, experience and cachet is, is huge, especially for, for a team that has overall very, very little postseason experience. To me, when you take a look at, at what this is, you know, having, and I know he pitched well this week, but Matt Moore, you know, back to back, with, and I know Vinny also pitched well, but back to back with Vince Velasquez is like, that's, that is tough. Anytime, if they're, if that's two games of your series, you're facing an uphill battle before you even step onto the field, any of those three nights. Ideally, you'd want a, a, an arm in there that was a little more trustworthy. Um, and certainly Cole Hamels, what we believe, if it was not Cole Hamels of last year, obviously dealing with a shoulder injury in Atlanta, making just the one start. But the year prior to that, still a, a super serviceable guy, you know, it, it pitched you know to a high threes, uh, low fours ERA out there. And I believe he's still very capable of doing that. And then back in Philadelphia, to me, it, this, and I am not a Cole Hamels guy, nor have I ever been. However, this is the starting pitching move to make especially when you have a depleted uh, a depleted prospect pool and, and just bag of assets that you can throw out there at, at this deadline. I don't know how sexy we will be. I don't know how much he's willing to sit there and settle up in Philadelphia again for one last ride. This doesn't exactly scream World Series contender to me, but people are speaking this out there constantly. So let's get your thoughts here on what a potential Cole Hamill reunion, Cole Hamill's, excuse me, reunion looks like maybe what your percentage you see is the likeliness of that happening. See, I'm so on the fence about this. <laughs> uh, on one hand, you said it, it's not the sexiest of moves and it's certainly not going to make a whole world of a difference. He's a guy who I think will be serviceable at best. You're not going to get anything I think spectacular out of him. And another thing, you don't know when he's going to be ready. It could be another month or so it might be mid-august before he's even ready to step on a mound um so i i just think there's a lot of concerns with it but at the same time you mentioned as well that there's really not a lot the phillies can do at a trade deadline when they don't have a lot of movable assets so to really sacrifice that if you know you're going to go out and get a couple relievers if you know you're going to try to go out and get another bat to go out and get a starter you know, you're going to have to dip in to do something you don't want to do kind of like last off season when you had to trade arms away to get some piss poor relievers. Um, it's, it's, it's a really fickle situation. So yeah, I, I do think they're really exploring this Cole Hamels market. I, I think they see the rotation as is and really hope that Nola and Eflin can kind of get back on track with Zach Wheeler and that Vince Velasquez and Matt Moore can kind of do what they've been doing. And then when Cole Hamels is ready to step in for one of them, um, I, I, I do think there's a likely chance because uh, to, to go out and fill your other needs at the trade deadline, there's no one else like that in free agency who you can go and pick up and have somewhat of an impact. So uh, I think it's relatively likely. I'd say around 70%. You think 70% he's going to be in a Philadelphia Phillies? I, I think it, I, I do think it's likely. Look, wow. you said it. You, you said it. There's there's a lot of talk about this. I, you don't know what type of pitchers he's going to be. It's going to be a risk, but there's also 
not much the Phillies really can do. They can't fill all of their needs by trading away players that they, you know, need at this deadline. So I, I do think it's likely. I don't know. You know, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I just don't see a situation where they're going to trade away a bunch of players to get another bat, a couple more relievers, and also a starting pitcher. So uh, I think this uh, might be their best route to get another guy in the rotation. I think it's I think it's the best route to go. I I don't believe that it at all would be in Cole Hamill's best interest if he cares about coming in and competing for a World Series. That's my biggest concern. You know, when Pedro, everyone talks about the Pedro thing. When Pedro came here in 2009, I, I mean, we had we had uh, Cole Hamels and Cliff Lee there already, uh, a dominant top of that rotation, and we had one of the top two one and one a offenses and all and all the in all the sport and we had just come off a world series we were favorites again to be in and not only in but win the world series for pedro for one last hurrah it made a ton of sense we're not that team right now and you know to me it seems like it would be a, a very dodgers thing to just get one more fucking arm to go out there and and, and be able to slide into that rotation and be in it and it <laughs> yes well what money are, are we going to throw at him, Biscuit? And Biscuit's over here giving me the, the Johnny Manziel fingers. Um, just hilarious. But Money again, talks, Shane. Money talks. I'll, I get what you're saying, though. We'll see. You know, I, I think 70% is... Whew, I Maybe I'm... You know me. I, I'm I a little generous sometimes, but... Sometimes? Yeah, hey, sometimes. I, I said last week that DeGrom's going to get injured soon, and you all thought that was bold, so... Well, Jesus, man. Way to read the tea leaves of weirdness, but... I don't believe that there are tea leaves that string us to a Cole Hamill's 70% likeliness of being a Philadelphia Philly in, in just a matter of days. Or and, and, you know, another thing, too, not that it means everything in the world, but it's not like he, he didn't want to come back the last couple of seasons. He totally would have came back if the money was there. But he got, you know, nearly $20 million from um, Atlanta in, in twenty in the offseason of 2019 heading into 2020. That's an offer you can't refuse, to quote the Godfather. So um, <laughs> I, I – I, I don't think – not that playing for a winner isn't important, but I think if he sees an opportunity to help a team to get to a place to win – because, you know, everyone says that the playoffs, once you get in, anything can happen. I do think that's true as, you know – as dominant as some teams are in baseball, if you get in, anything can happen. So if he can help the Phillies get there and the money's there, I could see him wanting to come back. I I, I don't think the idea of going to a, 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 a Los Angeles or a team like Houston or something like that is the most appealing, especially, like I said, if the moolah yeah. isn't there. Well, that is fair. I think the other thing to, to consider going into this deadline, outside of starting pitching, which I don't believe we'll, we'll see the sexiest of moves there, I think it'll, it'll be for a center fielder bat, and then I think it'll be bullpen pieces. Um, but speaking of that bullpen, you know, we are getting healthier. Sam Coonrod, a guy whom I completely forgot existed. We Oh, uh, yeah. How's he doing? So, well, he's, taken, <laughs> he's got some rehab appearances coming up now, which is uh, good to hear. So, you know, we are starting to get back to to what the bullpen was going to look like going into going into this season um you know I, I still believe that there is one more versatile arm to be added to the bullpen and i do also believe that uh, aside from that impact bat somewhere in there uh that an actual legitimate major league closer is probably going to be one of the top things 
uh, one of the top conversations that the Philadelphia Phillies have. Um, great to see Neris come in today. Um, had a nice interview after the game too. Sounded super calm, which is hilarious to me for a guy who does not deserve to be super calm, but good for him. Um, and I love Hector Neris. Andrew loves Hector Neris. I don't know where Biscuit falls on him, but I like um, Neris. I do. But uh, but even on his best day, and, and even on you know me and Andrew and on our best days, I don't think that we would say he is any prototypical closer, um, you know, but uh, right now the, the biggest name that, that gets thrown out there is, is Kimbrell. And uh, I don't know if, if you have your eye on anyone else out there, um, but how important, and you don't have to give me names yet, because we'll have some more stuff. If you have them, by all means, go for it. But how important is it for you to, to know that, you know, the Philadelphia Phillies are going to make some conversations uh, on a piece that can, you know, for once in this, in, the last decade, you feel good about whomever's taking the mound in the ninth inning, night in and night out. How confident are you that that's a conversation that's going to be top of the list for our Phillies? I want to say I'm the most confident. You know, they look, they need to, whoever comes in needs to show me that they're not going to succumb to the Phillies bullpen curse because, mm-hmm. uh, Look, you go you go back to last year. You got you got Brandon Workman, um, the the pitcher David Phelps coming from Milwaukee. Those guys had some pedigree and definitely had some prior success that that, that backed up that track record. And they just completely came in and shot the bed. Um, so it, it doesn't matter if you bring Jesus Christ, you know, onto the field. If he can't handle the Philly smoke, like I don't know what I don't know what you're gonna do. Um, so. No, no names off the top of my head. There's a couple relievers with Pittsburgh that uh, I, I liked. I was reading up on. Um, there's Alex Colome with the Minnesota Twins. I think that's a, a possibility as well. Maybe you get him in a in a Buxton I he's every year to the Phillies. I, I feel like that too. I feel like he's always a name that it's always like thrown at the wall. Like uh, the Phillies are checking in on Alex Colome. Um, but you know they they, they do need to. And you alluded to this with guys coming back and get healthy, getting healthy. Archie Bradley now back, and he looks like he's taken a step forward. Hopefully, Hector Neris is back from his um from his struggles. Uh, if they get one or two more guys, this bullpen could go back to being a pretty solid, you know, like point for this team. Um, so so yeah, D- Dombrowski needs to be on the phones. He should be on the phones right now. Um, be, because you need to get someone in there who could just give this bullpen a little bit more, and then it just might be mediocre enough for us to get by. Oh, mediocre enough for us to get by is definitely getting our audience wet right now. As they oh yeah, this. um, let's uh, well, let's go ahead. A mediocre bullpen gets uh, the twenty twenty Phillies into the playoffs. So uh, mediocre manager does too. Oh, well, I was going to say at the end of the show, I'll say it now, though. Best move that the Phillies could make at the deadline would be firing Joe Girardi. But Holy shit, man. We're winners of like eight of the last ten games. I don't give a fuck. That guy's a goon, bro. <laughs> He's such a bad manager. <laughs> Guess what? Guess what? Oh. We'd, probably be, we'd probably be in first place right now, given the recent hot streak. And um, all the if you factor in all the games that Girardi just completely like, you know, through but the talent in the second oh, inning. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. God, he should have been gone with David Hale. Uh, Package deal to the yeah to the DFA corner. You um, heard me, Andrew. You heard me. 
<laughs> I just, I don't understand how anyone defends him. And Andrew, I love you. And I honestly, I, I admire the hell out of you for having the courage to stand on some of the hills that you do. But that one is one that just blows my mind. Um, you're not, you're not Obi-Wan in that situation, Andrew. You do not have the high ground. <laughs> Nerd reference. Awesome. Um, all right, man. So let's, let's talk a little bit about Aaron Nola. You had mentioned, you know, the, ah, uh, Aaron Nola. The struggles of, of Aaron Nola and, and Zach Eflin. And these are two guys who, I mean, when they're right, like each one of them can be the stopper. If, if, you know, negative streaks are happening, like they each have that ability, you know, Zach Eflin's a guy who pitches to contact and has a relatively low pitch count almost every night out. And he has the ability to reset your bullpen and give people a day off any night out. He seems like the only guy that can go nine innings pretty much whenever he wants. Um, and then Nolid is a guy who, again, when he is right and when he is on, he's a guy that just sets you up for, for wins to come. I mean, what he's just so damn good when he's on. This has not been that season for him. Um, and Eflin has, has obviously been on a, on a bit of a struggle too, but I want to focus on Nola, um, beyond the point of just pitching. And this is something that we try to not get too, too much into. We talked a little bit about it last week. Um, but I'm more curious as to, and I don't know if you've paid any attention to it. If you didn't, we can move off of it, but the backlash that, that Aaron Nola has gotten on Twitter specifically for coming out and, and saying that he is essentially against getting the vaccine um the the backlash on twitter has has been on it's just brutal um you know again like we don't we all said it on here this is not something we agree with not getting the vaccine but at the same point we we understand that people's choices are what they are um as disappointing as they may be but i i don't believe that would ever in, in my opinion Aaron Noll is not a guy that I look at and say, I don't I'm done with you, bro. Like, I don't need to see you pitch. I don't need to see you exist. I mean, I've seen some of the, the harshest things said on Twitter about this man for coming out and just having a stance that differs from the, the norm. What's your kind of feel on, you know, the, the just the keyboard bullying that, that comes from, you know, the, these people that sit there and, and just reply to things on Twitter with the most hateful of things What's your kind of stance on that? And what's your stance on, on Aaron Nola coming out and making that comment when he didn't have to, he could have just stayed quiet on it. Well, not that keyboard bullying is a good thing ever, but it's fucking stupid. I'm sorry. You know, you want to respect people's opinions, but it's fucking stupid. It's a vaccination. Um, you're, You're hurting your team. You put yourself in a situation where the like, they could have lost. Go and go back to that game with, with Boston. They could have easily lost that game, been a game under 500 to end the first half, and the momentum is completely fucking gone. Thankfully, that did not happen. But because you made that decision, you put your team at a competitive disadvantage. That's what you did. Now. Politics and everything aside out of it, it's still a a stupid fucking decision. But at the end of the day, you know, unfortunately, it is what it is. Um, You you can't control people. You can't change people's minds. Um, You could certainly disagree. You could be baffled at their situation, at their decisions like I am. Um, But that's that's this country, right? That's that's America. It's a free country. 
you can say and do things that are absolutely fucking ludicrous, um, sometimes with repercussions, sometimes without repercussions. So, you know, it's it's not going to make me stop wanting him to be successful. I still want him to be a talented pitcher. I don't want him to completely shit the bed. It's not like I want to see him off my team. It's not even like I fucking hate the guy, but I completely disagree. And I think it's absolutely bonkers. I um like I said we've we've had this conversation as well. Um I've had it on several other shows that I'm on um with people openly being against the vaccine and uh as much as I disagree with it vehemently so. Um I you know again we, we sit here we're, we're we're both back you know fully vaccinated people. Um like to to me like I still just respect the choices of of other like I just like I don't lose sleep over the the what I perceive to be idiocy of someone who does not go out there and get a vaccine. If that's their choice, for whatever those reasons may be, as incorrect as they probably are, like go do what you do. I'm not going to wish like ill will on you. I don't. I'm not going to say I don't want to see you pitch for the Phillies. I'm not going to say that like I hope that you or your family get sick or that someone gets sick on your behalf because you were careless. I would never say those things. Like I would just respectfully disagree. I'm like, all right, well, this is where I'm at with that that's where you're at okay that is what it is like oh yeah the the whole point of of this of this particular topic for me anyway is i just i don't believe that core differences like this need to define an entire human and and the way that we treat somebody um that it's just it's again it's disappointing to sit there and see the reaction that that came out on Twitter. It can't be easy for for Aaron Nola. It can't be easy for his family. It can't be easy for anyone in the Phillies organization. Um, and again, like, can't stress enough. Like, we are very pro vaccination. Like, we don't we don't understand where that person comes from and those the people who do not wish to get that where they come from. Um, but sometimes you don't have to understand it. You just have to respect it. And that's pretty much the place that I'm at. I would never wish ill will on any of these humans. Um, so it's super disappointing. So if you're a listener who happens to have said something like that, just delete the tweet. Like probably it would behoove you for like future job interviews when they scour your Twitter, if they want to know if you're a total jerk, delete the tweet. Um, but beyond pandemic Aaron Nola, um, how, how badly the Philadelphia Phillies need him to regain form on the mound and, and to find that streak again. Um, could be another thing i you know him finding it and hoskins finding it to me are the, are the two things that will def- ultimately define the re- nice the remainder of, of this he's over there petting his dog by the way i know you guys can't see it but like i get i get pretty jazzed up when i see when i see dogs it's just a much better day if you see it if you see a pup he has not left my side all day and i say you know you want to come sit with me while i talk phillies yeah and he jumped cool. right up and he watches the games with me and everything he's my buddy Oh, that's all. See, Bryce gets afraid. So, you know, <laughs> my dog, not the baseball player, um, <laughs> to, to be fair. Um, but, but again, <laughs> I'm sorry. I just got like, uh, sorry to interrupt you. I just got like the mental image of like Bryce Harper, like you like, you know, petting his head while you just sit there. <laughs> talk about like him on the Phillies. Like, yeah, Bryce, you, you know, so good today. Right? <laughs> mm. Clown action, bro. Clown action. Um, but uh, again, Nola, Nola regaining form uh, along with 
uh, with Hoskins, you know, finding a streak. I think of the two defining things, both offensively and defensively, that'll mean the most ultimately throughout the the rest of the season. How confident are you with with Aaron Nola, you know, when he returns, that he will find that? Uh, and we can take that and extend that to beyond and, and go to include Eflin as well. Um, you know, presumably we're we're going to get second half Wheeler. Did not have the start today that you would you would assume for a second half Wheeler. Um, but that's okay. Everybody gets one and that might've been it. Just get it out of the way early. Um, but if all three of them, if Wheeler continues to do what he does and the other two mentioned, find it again. I, I mean, this could be a, uh, a really, really awesome and special August and August and September to watch starting pitching here in Philadelphia. Yeah. I, I mean, look, I, I think Eflin's at his best when the pressure isn't on him as much. And I think with Nola going down, he kind of feels like he needs to really step it up and be that number two behind Wheeler right now. And he kind of has been for the most part this season. But what's most important is getting Nola back to where he was last year and then uh, 2018 when he was third in Cy Young voting because that's the kind of caliber player he can be. You need to get that production out of him. Um, So getting him right is huge. If you have him right – Eflin back on track and Wheeler being Wheeler, the need to really go out and get someone like a Cole Hamels isn't as necessary as a move that you would need to make, especially if you have them still winning Matt Moore starts, Vinny V still going out and doing his thing every once in a while, Chase Anderson, when he comes back, if he could give you a decent start every once in a while, that should be sufficient enough to get to September, but you need that from Nola because Nola has not been good. Um, You really are now questioning his status of as the ace of this city. Obviously, he's still a very talented pitcher, and he is an ace. Like he, He's got the talent, and I think he's an ace, but he's been outshined by Wheeler so far. So I think if he wants to go back to that ground, and really, if he wants to right the ship, from the last, from the narrative, the last couple of weeks about everything that's happened, um, he he needs to shove Tuesday, Tuesday against New York. I agree. I do agree. Um, we're going to end this one here with, you know, just a quick preview of the two games against New York, uh, you know, uh, playing the Yankees here, a team that is similar to the Phillies, you know, kind of middling, a couple games over 500 there. Um, I feel like the Yankees, you know, we, we obviously we don't play them often, but I feel like it's always, um, no matter how good we are and how bad they are, how, you know, good both teams, bad both teams, doesn't matter. We're, it just seems like it's always a series that um, that's tough. Um, I, I don't know what it is about the New York Yankees that, that bring out some tough series and tough games. Um, but uh, taking three out of four here to, to start our second half after the all-star break. Um, and then we, uh, we go right into to these two with, with Yankees. What, what's your feel just on, on this quick series before we, before we square up against Atlanta? Go fucking get him. Go fucking get him. You're not facing Cole. Um, they're a team that you, you beat up on when they were here at home. So hopefully you could take another two there in New York. They got to start playing better on the road. Um, now's the time. You, you, you can't go back from here. You have to keep making up ground. You have to keep winning games. Um, and you have to also be good teams as well. So all I have to say is go fucking get him. Well, you heard Biscuit. Go fucking get him. <laughs> Words of the philosopher. Biscuit. 
We're going to wrap this one up here. Uh, We'll be back next week. We'll talk about this Yankee series. We'll talk about the Atlanta series uh, that follows that one as well. Hopefully, hopefully Andrew will be back next week. I can't recall. If not, we'll we'll just have to report to you all the things that Andrew says in text messages we typically do. But that'll be it for So You Think You Can Manage. For Biscuit, I am Shane. We will see you guys next week.